Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is Easter. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Last night, Atlanta United and NYCFC played to a 1-1 draw at Yankee Stadium in a game filled with a lot of interesting moments, some controversial moments, some moments that did not make manager Gonzalo Pineda happy, some moments that did not make Brad Guzan happy. And we're going to get into all of that in this podcast. You're going to hear from Pineda. You're going to hear from Brooks Lund. You're going to hear from Derek Etienne. Maybe we'll hear from the professional referee organization. I emailed them last night a few questions. And I'm going to answer your many questions about Atlanta United. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And if this is your first time listening to us, Please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So just to recap last night's action for you really quickly. Atlanta United created several good chances in the first half, but didn't put any of them away. In the second half, Franco Ibarra was given a red card in the 62nd minute. I thought it was a fair red card. It was a, he and James Sands went in for a loose ball. Sands managed to get to the ball first, a little bit wildly, as Ibarra went in to try to do a two-footed tackle without getting his cleats up, because that would have been an automatic red. But instead, he landed on James Sands. I think it was his right ankle, high up on his ankle. So it was studs to ankle after a review. That Well, at first, James Sands was given a yellow card. And then the referee, Drew Fisher, went over and watched the replay. This is walking across the field, watched the replay. Walked back across the field to the Yankee bench area where Sands was kind of hobbling around trying to get the feeling back. Rescinded the yellow, then walked over to Atlanta United's bench area and appeared to give Mateus Huzetu a red card. Huzetu wasn't even in the game yet. He was about to come into the game for either Sadich or Abara. Realized, oh, that's not the guy. Turned back around and walked to the middle of the field and gave Abara a red card. So Atlanta United went down to 10 men, but they kept playing. 10 men on that small field is, you could almost say it's a little bit easier because you have a little bit more space. Uh, Jorge Shakamakas scored a header in the 70th minute off a really smart play by Diego Almada. It started with a corner kick, and NYCFC thought that he'd cleared it and that it looked like it was going to roll out of bounds. But it didn't roll out of bounds. It just kind of rolled along the end line. Almada realized this, got to the ball, looked up to see who was reacting, put in another cross to the back post, and Yakamakas headed it off the underneath the crossbar and in to give Atlanta United a one to nothing lead. 
However, two minutes later, NYCFC equalized. Gabriel Pereira with a goal in the 72nd minute. Now, before we get into the sound, I need to set up a lot of what you're going to hear. So in the first half, as I said, Atlanta United had a lot of pressure on NYCFC. NYCFC was able to break through at one point and put in a cross. It was a low cross to the near post. I think it was uh, Tagus Mello put the cross in. Brad Guzan came out and was the first of the ball. As he was coming out, a player for NYCFC, and I think it was Miles Robinson. It might have been Parata. I can't remember which one. We're also converging on the ball. So Guzan is coming out of the goal. These two guys, it was Seagal, are coming toward the near post. Guzan grabs the ball, and I'm still not quite clear what happened on the replays. I can't get a a very good image of it. But Seagal slammed into Guzan's left leg. Guzan immediately went down, had his hands in the air, or his hand in the air waving, which is always a sign there's an injury. Trainers came out. Examined his left knee for a little while. Guzan was able to continue in the game. What aggravated Gonzalo Pineda, and you're going to hear about this, is that no card was given, no review of the play was given, and this is kind of a thing that he feels keeps happening. So here is Pineda on the officials. Very upset with the way Drew carried on with the game. Very upset with that. I felt like the second time in a row that they come at the knee of Brad Gusan uh, and no punishment. So very upset with that. I told him that. Uh, and I, again, we need to earn respect from the referees and from the league. We need to win more games and we need to win more trophies because we don't have the respect. And uh, very, very upset with the way they manage the game. 10 minutes for me is not uh, accurate. Uh, the yellow card on Yakumakis, I think, compared to the tackle on Brad, is nothing. Uh, so very, very upset with that and those little things when you play away against a good team, a very good team, against a very good coach, uh, it's not easy. Even there, happy with the effort, with the passion, with the uh, good football uh, that my team showed today. And we need more performances like this to earn more respect from the referees. So the Yakamakis play he's talking about is he got a yellow in the first half. And replays show that if there was any contact, it was for a tackle. Or actually, it was an attempted tackle. And Yakamakis pulled out of the tackle. The player jumped over him and then hit the ground and rolled around like he'd been shot. And looking at the replays, if there was any contact at all, it was minimal it was not at all deserving of the player rolling around and then getting up and limping because Yakamakis did not cause the injury. It was this is the problem with players diving both on offense and defense. Is it's difficult for the referees and really VAR is not doing a very good job with helping them out in some instances, not all instances, but in some instances. It was that was well, it was pretty clear watching the replay that the player was was faking it and. You can't appeal a yellow card, so now Yakamakis will have two yellows, I think, on his record so far. The VAR last night was Kevin Terry Jr. The AVR was Tyler uh, Wirestick. So that's what that was about. Now, continuing on, so just to uh, pull back the curtain a little bit for y'all, I am typically the only journalist that covers Atlanta United that is fortunate enough to travel. Uh, The paper pays for it. So whenever you see questions and answers 
being tweeted out by people. Sam always includes my name on the questions, but it's usually my question to the manager or the player. So all these that you hear are me asking Pineda or Lennon or Etienne these questions. Um, so anyway, just to let y'all know, these, these are my thoughts to the game and their answers. So I followed up by asking if Pineda saw the Franco Ibarra play. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I was late with other things. I just saw Brad Wilson's tackle, and, and that to me is unbelievable. That is not even a yellow, which for me was already uh, a bad call, but nothing is to me really bad. And it's the second time on the road they come against Brad in that way, and uh, I need to take care of my players because the referees are not doing that. With my players, with the others, yes, they are doing that. So I followed up by asking him to describe the Guzan play because, as I said earlier, to me, I couldn't figure out what had happened. I just saw someone going very violently against the knee of my goalkeeper. And it's the second time on the road uh, at the Benz in the last game. There was another really, really bad uh, tackle on him directly into his knee late. And I don't know if that is allowed now, but... Uh, it feels like the referees didn't take care of Brad, but they took care of the other player, who maybe is fair. Uh, but uh, I, I feel like it's it's always like this. It feels like it's against us. The same similar similar calls are always against us. It, it seems like that. Um, you know, many times in this season, it it has happened. So I, I'm tired of that. Now, I have to clarify some of that stuff that Pineda was just saying because I went and looked up the stats last night and Atlanta United has received I think it's the second most fouls in Major League Soccer so they are getting fouls called I I think what Pineda is referring to is the impactful fouls that that aren't going Atlanta United's way or are going against Atlanta United. So looking at it, everybody's played seven games now. Uh, Atlanta is now third in foul suffered with 92 and are fourth in fouls committed at 101. So then I followed up by asking Pineda, well, what did Fisher, what was his response when you spoke to him? They always respond the same. They're always right. That's what they always say. So I, I went very respectfully and I think him and I, we, we agree on that. It was respectfully, I asked why the 10 minutes, why not a red card against uh, the player that, that went at Brad. Um, and he said he's always right. So that's, that's, uh, that's the answer you always get when you complain about certain goals. And, and that's a frustration we get. It's never like, yes, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Um, it's never like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the referees are supposed to say. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I think this is more a conversation for Carlos or Garth to have with somebody at PRO um, to figure out what can be done. I've I've written this many times. I've said this on this podcast many times. I have tweeted this. I don't know how many times. But MLS, as many of y'all know, wants parity. But to have true parity, the officiating needs to be spot on all the time. Otherwise, you instead of parity, you really get kind of chaos and it becomes more luck in some instances rather than a, a, a test of an accumulated group of skilled players. 
Nashville last night, Gary Smith was complaining about the officiating in their game. It's been a, a problem for the league for a while. I don't have an answer. The only answer I can think of is pay them more, recruit better officials from, from better leagues in Europe. But, of course, getting them to leave is, is a whole nother thing. Or just do a better job of training the ones that, that we have. And it's not an indictment of all referees. Everybody has bad days at work. Everybody has bad days at home. Unfortunately, it just seems like the bad days are quite common. And I don't understand the lack of use of VAR by the official. I know they don't want to slow the games down way too much, but it's there as a tool to be used. So use it. If you remember earlier this year, the Jorgis Yakamakas scored a goal. He was ruled offside. He wasn't offside. I still don't think he was offside in my opinion. But it was close enough that it should have been reviewed, and it wasn't. And that was part of what Pineda was talking about, both on the record last night and a little bit uh, as he and I were walking back to the Atlanta United locker room as well. So here's Brooks Lennon on if this was both a satisfying performance and result. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, getting points on the road is always positive. I think we have a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouth just because, you know, we were able to score with a man down and, um, you know, we worked so hard tonight uh, to be able to get that first goal. So a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouth, um, not not to get three points, but, um, you know, picking up points on the road is always positive and we're going to just keep climbing. Now, I, I followed that up with Brooks because, as many of you know, Atlanta United had a really, really awful problem last year of scoring and then almost immediately conceding. Uh, if there was a restart in the game, it seemed like that's where a majority of the goals against Atlanta United came from. And last night was another example. Now, I didn't bring up last season because we've asked Brooks about trying to compare things to last season this season, and he always kind of shrugs those off. But I did ask him if there was any concern about conceding a goal two minutes after they scored. No, I think, uh, you know, we just we just need to learn from those moments and um, understand, you know, manage, management of, of certain, um, you know, key moments of a match. Gonzalo talks about it all the time is, um, you know, how to manage um, key moments after you score, early on in the game, um, you know, late in the game. It's, it's very important to, to, uh, to understand the situation. And uh, unfortunately, we, we, we conceded right after we scored, but we had a positive result tonight, and that's all, you know, that's all that matters. That's a fair answer. And so then I was also curious because NYCFC has had an outstanding home record since it, its franchise began. So I followed up with Brooks by asking if even getting one point at Yankee Stadium feels like getting three. To be honest, no. Um, I think this group has higher expectations and aspirations this season than, than going on the, on the road and, and getting you know ties. I think you saw us fighting with 10 men, uh, and you know we were able to, to score the first goal, which is uh, you know very, very good from us. It shows the mentality of this group, and everyone in the locker room was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get three points. Um, but if you you know watch the game and you see the fighting spirit from from everybody, it was it was really really class. So when I turned in my story, I included that quote, and my editor was like, "Did he mean to say class, not first class?" I was like, "No, he said class," and he was like, "Okay, well, you know, for some players, English isn't the first language." And I responded, "It is for Lynn. He's from Arizona, for gosh sakes." So anyway, I guess that's what the kids are saying now is class. Here's Derek Etienne on if he was satisfied with the result and the performance. Yes and no. Um, I think we're just a little little, little bit off and unfortunate not to get a goal in the first half. Um, 
but then to go down a man and 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 get a point on the road is is a, a good result but um yeah a little little disappointed but we understand uh, that's a sign of a good team to be able to say that we're down a man and and tie and tie a game to get a point on the road so we look um we look forward to fixing that and seeing the stuff on film that we can be better at and and work for the next week now etienne thought he had scored his first goal for atlanta United in the first half but he was judged to be offside and the goal was pulled back so i was curious if he felt he was offside and if he wanted to comment on the officiating after Pineda said so many things, Lennon didn't really have anything to say about the officiating. Um, I don't know. I have to see it again. Uh, I'm more so disappointed in the bump from behind on one of the plays. I, I feel that, you know, as an attacker, a lot of times when the defender's facing the sideline and you do a little bump to them, they fall over. But when you're running at full speed trying to bring the ball down and someone doesn't go for the ball and, 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 and knocks you over, I feel like it should be at least looked at. And for the fact that it wasn't, really disappointed in that. Uh, watching Ibarra's red card, I think it's he's very unlucky. I think Sands missed kicks the ball before. Mm-hmm. Before and I think that's what that's what ultimately gets him to get the contact first. So I mean it's un, unlucky. Uh, I'd, but yeah, I think a, a lot of calls. I don't even know if I. I'm actually just gonna say a lot of calls were disappointing. Um, so, uh, but you know that's part of the game, and uh, we just m- move on from that. And this was Etienne's second consecutive start. I was curious how he felt. He was developing chemistry with his teammates and and understanding what Pineda wants of him. It's a lot different seeing, you know, how guys are on the on the field. There's the spacings, the uh, the pockets and stuff they like to be on. Um, I think you see Tiago likes that little that little pocket on the left side. So it's uh, it's easy for me to just drift out wide. And then I think Miles is getting Miles, Juanjo uh, and Luis and also Tiago are, are getting more and more used to having a guy who's running off the ball. So um, I think it's coming coming along. Um, like I said, I think we're a little, a little bit off from getting a couple of goals. Goals, so um, uh, it's a learning experience, a learning curve. But I think that uh, we're creating more clear-cut chances, and I think it's only a matter of time until we we close it out. I thought Etienne had a really good game last night. I thought he struggled a little bit against Red Bulls, but he got into a lot of really good spaces last night. Obviously, he had the goal that pulled back. He caused some some trouble for NYC FC's defenders, and. Uh, I'm curious how it's going to look going forward. All right. When we come back from the break, I'll answer questions in the mailbag. We had one voicemail, so that's pretty cool. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. 
That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. All right, we're going to go to the mailbag. Again, that number is 770-810-5297. Daniel stayed up all night to get this one. He was also crocheting some T-shirts to send out to y'all for the uh, emails of the week. His crochet skills have gotten very, very good, I must say. Hi, this is for Doug. Doug, this is Bo, first time early listener here to the, the podcast this season. And I had a question for you. I'm no expert, but it looks like to me that Yakumakis is more aggressive in terms of uh, his defensive work rate than Joseph was. Even at the striker position, I see Yakumakis getting back and applying pressure, and I was wondering what your opinion was on that. Um, am I right? Am I wrong? I'd love to hear your take. All right, keep up the good work. Enjoy listening to you, and look forward to more uh, episodes to come. Thanks for the call, Bo. I don't want to make any blanket statements and say, yes, definitely, Yurgos is working harder than Joseph did on defense because for a while, Joseph was very, very good defensively for Atlanta United. But so far, the defense that Yurgos is playing is really good. He worked his tail off last night, pressing NYCFC all over the uh, attacking his attacking third of the pitch. So that effort that he's putting in is, I'm sure, appreciated by Pineda. And it helps the entire team's defense. So good observation by Bo. Now on to the traditional emails. And again, you can email me at droberson at ajc.com or you can put in questions through DM on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. If you just put questions on my timeline, I'm not going to read them uh, just because I'm going to miss them. There's just too much stuff there. So Tim says... Pineda is going to be fine for his comments about referee Drew Fisher, but by speaking out, Pineda becomes my man of the match against NYCFC. Atlanta seems to be a whipping boy for MLS refs these past few years. I'm not going to say Atlanta United is a whipping boy. I'm going to say it seems like they have had some calls go against them. I do think that this will all work out in the end, but um, you know, I understand y'all's frustration. Just don't don't make frus- frustration kind of feel like persecution because. You know, there are a lot of teams in the league. Nobody's singling out Atlanta United, I don't think. I just think that, unfortunately, the uh, probabilities are going against them right now. Wren says, hey, Doug, the last two games have sure have been a pleasure to watch compared to the Columbus game. Brad Guzan is playing great, maybe even better than he did pre-injury. Is it possible, or are the back four just that much better at protecting him? Maybe a little of both, eh? I guess he's Canadian. Last week's ref was so bad, my nine-year-old, who, by the way, also listens to your podcast, well, hello, son of Wren. It's nice to hear from you. Commented after the game, well, that ref sure was something. (laughs) This week's ref seemed to make less bad calls, but the bad calls he made were more impactful. Interestingly, Pineda, who has a history of checking his criticism by somewhat sarcastically, sarcastically saying the ref is always right, is openly criticizing the referee. Good. I like the way this team has each other's backs. Lastly, could you cover the effects of Abara's red card and Gigi's yellow card accumulations? Does the red only affect one game? How many yellows result in a player missing a game? Thanks for all you do, Doug. Yeah, so Atlanta United can protest Abara's red card. I'll be stunned if they do. 
You only are allowed, um, I think it's two protests a season of a red card. You can't protest yellows. So Ibarra will miss the next match at Toronto. A yellow card accumulation, I think it's after you get seven yellow cards. It's either five or seven. You receive a one-game suspension, and then that number drops. Uh, like Then it's if you get three more, you're suspended again, and etc. And again, you can't appeal yellow cards, so... Yagamakis is stuck with, I think he has two now this season. May or, may already have three. I'll have to look that up. Parker says, hey, Doug. Well, it seems many of the supporters for Atlanta United might have been wrong about Bocanegra needing to be fired. He has still made some blunders, but Huzetu and Abara have been exceptional this season. And moving on from Joseph was definitely the correct move. So how long until the supporters give Boca his due and ask for his contract extension? Yeah, I don't think they're going to ask for a, at least the ones that I keep seeing on my Twitter feed are going to uh, ask for Boca to get a contract extension. The season's young. Let's see what happens, and um, we'll go from there. I'm trying to find Yakamakis's uh, yellow card accumulation. Johannes always puts those in the notes, and I'm just trying to find it right now. Yeah, Yakamakis isn't walking a line yet, but we'll see what the notes have next week. On to Joshua, who says, Glad to get the road point after we went down a man at NYCFC on that postage stamp pitch. I'd love to get your take on Caleb Wiley's developmental trajectory at this age versus George Bellow. To my eye, Caleb seems more technical and is also better defensively so far. What are you seeing? I think Caleb is maybe a little bit more defensively aware than Bellow. I thought Bellow uh, sometimes got into just got caught ball watching a little bit. Bellow was very, very good going forward. Wiley has shown he's very, very good going forward. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next week if Gutman comes back between Wiley, Gutman, and Etienne. Somebody's not going to be on the field. Arahujo had another kind of uh, not impactful game. I guess you can move Etienne over to the right and put Wiley on the left and give Arahujo maybe a mental break, but they really even haven't gotten into the 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 more difficult parts of the season yet. They're still just playing weekly. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think Wiley uh, will almost certainly be called into the U.S. Under-20 team for the upcoming World Cup uh, later this year. I think he's got a really bright future. Tom Bogart has already reported that Atlanta United had received an offer for Wiley last year that they turned down. Atlanta United does not want to say which team made that offer. Uh, I know it was a team in Europe, I believe. But anyway, I think he's he's got a lot of potential and can be a, a very, very good player uh, and possibly one day get into the mix for the U.S. men's national team, senior team. Adam says, I had a small mix shake with dinner tonight and paused to wish you a happy reunion with the Carvel machine for the next home match. Well, Adam, you are just the nicest person in the history of people. Daniel, you've been replaced. Adam is now my favorite person. Adam says, once the ref went to the screen to review a bar's tackle, did he have the ability to simply give a yellow? Yes, he did. How does the narrow pitch affect defending with 10 men? It feels like it would invite more unwanted pinball situations than the defensive third, so I kept thinking Atlanta should push their second line up higher. I mean, I thought Atlanta did a pretty good job, all things considered. It was obvious when Yakamakis came out and Luisa Brom came in that Pineda was both trying to protect Yakamakis from getting a second yellow with the defensive effort Atlanta United was putting in and just try to play to keep that point. On that narrow pitch, it's more just stay compact, 
don't allow any, you know, big, bigger gaps to appear between the lines. And I thought Atlanta United did a pretty good job of that. Dave says, we got out alive, but it wasn't pretty. Important questions to ask. Gonzalo Pineda's trench coat was tan instead of black. What do you think was the strategy here? I, I think, as I tweeted out, he joined the trench coat of the month club. Let's see what he wears next week. Uh, if it's blue or like a, uh, a plaid gray, then we'll know that something's up. If Atlanta United did a yoga move, what move would have prepared them better for a win? Oh, wow. These are great questions. Well, it's any of the ones I can't do, which is almost all of them. So I'm going to go with mountain on back because that's the only one that I'm really, really good at. Henry says, hey, Doug, Henry, friend of the podcast. I hope you're doing well and have a safe flight home. Well, thanks, Henry. You're always so considerate. Here are my questions for L podcast. Do you think Gutman will be ready to start next week so Wiley can go back up to left wing? After seeing both him and Etienne start there, I think our attack has a bit more bite with Wiley. I know I thought Etienne did a pretty good job last night. It's going to be, as I just said earlier, it's going to be interesting to see what happens once Gutman comes back. With Abara suspended, Sosa is the most likely replacement against Toronto. What differences do you think we'll see with Sosa starting in the sixth role as opposed to what Abara typically offers? Well, I think Sosa is more mobile than Abara in terms of tracking players around the pitch. The good thing for him next week is you have Toronto doesn't really have, in my opinion, a true speedy striker. So I think that's going to play well for, for Sosa. And is it possible to win a soccer game in a baseball stadium? Well, Atlanta United has done so once in its career, um, but it still hasn't done so at Yankee Stadium in the regular season. Mike says, was that one of the more strange soccer games you've covered? The game had everything. No, it wasn't strange, but it was exciting. Four points against the New York teams in back-to-back weeks. That has to be a big win, right? I think that's a good thing. I mean, you got three at home. You got one on the road. That's a typical pretty good formula for success in Major League Soccer. Doug says, question for the pod. He says if Guzman, I think he means Gutman, is healthy next week, who starts between Wiley, Gutman, and Etienne Jr.? Yeah, it's going to be whoever has the best week training. And this is why you want a deep squad, because they push each other and it becomes competition, and then it's supposed to make the whole team better. Matt says, how much do you think the injuries from last year have helped the depth of the team this year? I kept thinking all last year that kids like Caleb Wiley who were filling in were gaining a world of experience in a lost season that would greatly benefit the team the following year. Yeah, this is a really good point. You know, I've y'all know this. Atlanta United had 20 instances of injuries last year that robbed players of consecutive games of being able to play. So you had guys like Caleb Wiley who had already earned a starting role but just kept playing. A lot of playing time. And so, I mean, those minutes count. Then they're valuable. And when they keep going up and you're, you know, playing decently, you're going to be that much better next year. So there we go. And he says, as an aside, I'm happy Pineda is getting some of the credit he deserves. But I've also noticed the Boo Birds have gone quiet regarding Bocanegra. Not really a question, but wanted to give the guy some props. And I'll trade you an international roster slot and two donut shop curing pods for a bag of Doug coffee. Deal? All right, deal. All right, Daniel. You're on. Get that bag of Doug coffee to uh, Matt and make sure I get my international roster slot and two donut shop curing pods. Ivis says, which law and order detective or prosecutor would make the best MLS referee? Well, I have to go Adam Schiff. 
He he always seemed fair. He would always clap back at the at the at Jack McCoy and and others if he thought they overstepped their bounds. He was one always thinking about the law. Good question though. Now our question of the week. Derek says, "Can someone please talk to Arahujo about dribbling directly into defenders?" Um, okay. Next time I see him, I will. And he didn't do that last night. And I thought for sure, I even tweeted jokingly that he might set a personal record for defenders dribbled into. And I don't think it happened one time last night. Uh, anyway, he says, can you casually slip it into an interview question? Maybe thanks for keeping us informed. And then he finishes with top three law and order special victims unit guest stars. His are Robin Williams, John Stamos and Ludacris. What are yours? I'm trying to remember Robin Williams on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I remember he was on Homicide and was fantastic on Homicide a long time ago. I think my number one, and I'd forgotten he was even on there until it popped up on my TV the other day, was Mike Tyson, uh, who played a, a guy who killed a man because he had uh, abused him in various ways. And he was on death row. And they got the death row uh, uh, judgment commuted to something else, and off he went. But he he played a pretty good part in that. The John Stamos one was good. Ludacris was good. They've had some really good actors throughout the year on that show. Now I watch it, and it's just gotten a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Redundant. Not silly, but just... uh, you could tell it, it, the writers need some some new inspirational ideas, even though all stories are fictional and don't represent actual persons or events. All right. This has been another episode of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. Follow me on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Happy Easter to those of you who celebrate. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.